Welcome to Play the Advantage U.S. Men's National Team Podcast. I'm Danny Day alongside Cody Carlson. Cody and I were college soccer teammates and we are big U.S. Men's National Team fans. This podcast covers everything U.S. Men's National Team related. Here we are once again, Danny Day alongside Coach Cody Carlson. And Cody, we have had some World Cup qualifying games for the U.S. men's national team, and man, I, I've got some I've got some thoughts for sure. But how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. I think my um, I'm not as upset as I was uh, and emotional as I was after kind of watching those three games, especially the first two games, El Salvador and Canada. Uh, I, was, I was pretty irritable. Uh, and didn't want to talk to nobody. But since then, kind of been reflecting a little bit. And, you know, five points out of the nine is, is not the end of the world for us. Uh, but definitely uh, have some feelings of regret and disappointment. Yeah, I think if you had told me, I mean, last last time we recorded, right, we were both thinking, all right, baby, let's go. We're nine points. That's what we're going to get. Seven minimum. <laughs> and obviously it did not work out that way. Um, I yeah, think put it, our, it, put put our feet in our own mouths on that one. Yeah, oh, totally. I mean, I I think that to some extent, you know, I I think it's we we forget just how challenging World Cup qualifying is, and the fact of the matter is, is we did have two games in the road here. So, you know, coming away with five points, while certainly not, I think what either of us were hoping, it's not the end of the world either, and. I mean, that being said, halftime of that Honduras game on Wednesday night, we were at two points. And had the game finished that way, we would be having a very different conversation right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so <laughs> the fact that we did come away, we, we responded in that second half on Wednesday night against Honduras. The way that we did um, was uh, exhilarating and, and needed. Really. Relieving, the, yeah, the feeling of relief and just kind of we can exhale here a little bit and uh, yeah, feel a little for, bit for now. For yeah. now, yeah, I mean, we're obviously at least, so, at least temporarily, yeah. So, I mean, you look at the table right now, Mexico's on top, seven points, then you got Canada, US, and Panama all at five points, and then you got uh, everyone else down uh, a little bit below that. So, um I mean, again, first window, so obviously there's 14 games, right, for this World Cup qualifying cycle, very different than before. Um, So this is a three-game window, which is, again, obviously uh, making, as we saw in that last game, a big difference with uh, maybe the depth actually really, truly coming through for the U.S. um, and and not for Honduras. But um, I want to take us back even before we get into a little bit more, just looking at, okay, Nations League and then Gold Cup. We got... (laughs) Uh, results against Honduras in the semis of Nations League and against Mexico. Yep. Were either of those the prettiest games? No, but nope. we got results. Yep. Gold Cup. We had one game where we won by a lot against Martinique. Right. The rest of the games were won by a score of 1-0. to zero. So, yep. again, credit to the defense and, and Matt Turner uh, and the team for finding a way to get it done. Yep. Um, but I guess maybe the question begs then is that we get into these World Cup qualifying games where they these are the games that actually truly matter. And 
you've been riding these one zero wins or just one goal wins or whatever they might be. And how, how long can that last if the performance out there really isn't maybe what we want that to be? How, how long can these edging out these one zero results, these narrow results, how long can that last? Cause clearly we saw uh, here in these three games that we have some issues. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You're, you're, Definitely correct there. Definitely have some issues, don't we? Um, to kind of to answer your question about, you know, one goal wins or one zero win. That's honestly, it's one of my favorite types of wins. It, I think it shows the mark of a good team uh, that you can shut out the opponent and get your goal and take care of business. Right. And teams that do that in tournament formats, whether it's, you know, in a gold cup, whether it's in Nations League, whether it's in college soccer, any any type of tournament format, teams that can shut out the opponent, escape with a goal, move on to the next round. Uh, I appreciate those types of teams. Now, do they play the most pretty soccer? Probably not. But is it effective? Is it a way to win? Uh, it can be. And I think it shows a toughness and a grit. And, um, you know, and that's something that American soccer has always had. So... But at the same time, with the group of players that we have and the depth that we have, we've been talking about it. We want to see better performances. Simple as that, right? So we want to see 3-0, 4-1 wins all the time. <laughs> and I think we can. Uh, but to still kind of say, well, it's, you know, we're only going to ever get 1-0 results or 2-1 or whatever and just narrowly edge out opponents, Um you know, that's a little frustrating because we we seem to think that uh, we're better than that. Yeah, I mean, you heard Tyler Adams say it before the El Salvador game that, hey, we're going into this. We want nine points. We want to show that we are not just win. We want to we want to be dominant. And I think we all know how good Tyler Adams is. Tyler Adams also hadn't experienced World Cup qualifiers yet. Yeah. Has had most of this team besides Pulisic, Brooks, Yedlin. Um, in terms of experiencing World Cup qualifiers, right? Those are legit, those are our, right? Uh, yeah, so those, you know, very, very few and far between. So I think it was a wake-up call for our team, uh, just how hard this was going to be. Um, but man, and for and for and for fans as well, and for right? fans, for I you, mean, for it, me, yeah, yeah, for for others, it kind of brought us all a reality check that was needed, mm -hmm. and brought us back down to planet Earth a little bit because we were getting uh, so hyped on these guys and. You right. know, and, and like we've, we've talked about, but it's really a reaffirmation that what's on paper doesn't always translate onto the field. Yeah, so. and, and why, and again, so if I'm talking to you as a coach, why is that, that if we are so good on paper, we have by far the most players playing over in the top leagues in Europe. We have this, in theory, golden generation of players right now on this squad, granted young. Why, and Bert Holter talks about playing this attractive style of soccer, you know, possession leading to goals, chances. Why is it not creating more? Why Why are we not looking better out there? Man, yeah, I mean, you're opening up Pandora's box with excuses that we can all come up with here. You know, is it, is it you know, there's a ton of people who are now in the camp of they want Berhalter's head. They want him gone. You know, they said he's had his chance and it's clearly not working. We got to get rid of Greg. I'm not in that camp. Um, I think we still got to give him a chance. Um 
there's people saying excuses like, well, it's always harder to play in Central America, climate reasons or the fans, you know, in El Salvador, you're playing with a cage around the field and just the hostility and the environment there and stuff. And I mean, you even have Tyler Adams saying, yeah, I'd prefer to play, you know, in France or England versus El Salvador. You know, I think that says a lot. Um, So, you know, yes, it's frustrating. Uh, And then obviously the opponent, I think the opponents obviously create uh, huge obstacles and barriers to disrupt what we want to do, right? So, and if I'm El Salvador, if I'm Honduras, Canada, whatever, I'm saying, okay, this is the golden generation of USA. I'm going to spoil your party. I'm going to do everything that I can. It would uh, make my year to steal points from the USA, who is supposed to beat us, right? The old underdog story. So I think when you combine some of those factors and call them excuses, if you like, but maybe that's part of the reason why it's not necessarily translating. Yeah, no, uh, fair points. And with that being said, and you said you're, you know, Burhalter. Let's talk about Burhalter just for a quick second before we maybe get into the games. Um, Burhalter had the U.S. not come back and won on Wednesday. I again, I, I mean, I said this before the game. I, I said if we do not win this game, again, a draw maybe. But if if we were to have lost that game on Wednesday, I would have been calling for his head. The fact of the matter is. We did not qualify for the last World Cup. And, and the, hard, the hard piece about it, though, with that being said, is, okay, if you, if you were to sack Greg Berhalter, who do you bring in who can actually turn things around? Exactly. And th- that, that, I think, is maybe the most, would be the most challenging piece. And we saw that last cycle, when we brought in Bruce Arena, it ultimately ended up not working. Right. Um, the U.S. failed to qualify. So I, I, it, it's one of those things where I'm thinking, man um, – Greg Berhalter has had so much time to get this, get us to a good place. And yet he's still making so many decisions in games, pre games, uh, starting 11s that are, that are just so questionable um, that are really causing harm to what I, I really, I think many of us see as what the U S men's national team could really be doing and potentially causing harm towards potentially qualifying for this world cup. And so I guess the question is then is are Ernie Stewart and Brian McBride, were they, were they actually ready to make a change? Did they actually have someone lined up again? I, I, you know, the U S came back and won. So it eases those, those calls for Burhalter out. Cause I mean, after right. you get five points, you're in second place. You're not going to fire the coach. Yeah. Um, but again, I think because the U S didn't qualify last time, it, it, everyone is, is on high alert right now. And yeah. quite frankly, Yes, the U.S. is on five points and in second place right now. But Berhalter, in my mind, um, besides those last 45 minutes, he, he got it mostly, mostly all wrong in, in the first, you know, two and a half of those games. What do you think he got wrong? Well, you in know, the I, first in the first. Well, OK, let's talk about the Honduras game. We'll go back to front a little sure. bit because. Yeah, let's, let's go to the Honduras game because. He switches things up and he says, okay, we're going to, whatever we've been doing hasn't been working. So we're going to switch things up and we're going to go to a three, four, three or three, five, two. None of us really knew what we were doing there with the starting lineup. And then we see all of a sudden Tyler Adams starting at right, at right wing back. Yeah. Has he played that for, for Leipzig in the past? Yes. For the U S men's national team, we did not have anybody. We had Kellen, Kellen Acosta and James Sands in the middle. 
both yeah. did not have good first halves. Yeah. And Sands had a shocker. Yeah. Um, and not having Adams in the middle, and you saw that change made in the second half, and he, he not even until like the 70, 70th minute or so when, when Adams shifted into the middle, uh, and then the game turned. We scored three goals to win the game there. But yeah, right. um, yeah. But uh, so sh- switching things up, you have the three center backs who maybe have never never played that three center back uh, system together. Yeah. So you have John Brooks playing in the middle with McKenzie and Miles Robinson. Um, you, you know, guys out there just not knowing exactly what they want to be doing. How are they pressing? Sergeant not pressing with Pepe at the right times. Burhalter saying that they weren't all on the same page, even in his in his post game interview. Um, so I, I think that, however, Burhalter set that game up with the personnel on the field. You have Bello in there, his first ever World Cup qualifying start against Sands, his first World Cup qualifying start. McKenzie, McKenzie, who actually I thought had a decent game, um, but you you go into that game knowing basically it's a must win, and one of the most abysmal halves of soccer I've seen. Uh, right. You're making Honduras out there look like they're England or Brazil um, running circles around us. Yeah. And it could have been more than one zero at the half. And we were, we were maybe in some ways fortunate that it wasn't. So um, again, had we lost that game, I would have been saying there has to be a change. Cause it, it was just there. I have no, I, have, I would have at that point had no faith that Burhalter could get it right. Yeah. I think that's fair. That's the, that's the one major knock that I have against Greg. Uh, in these three games is that decision to go to three, four, three with those players for the Honduras game. Um, you know, it just kind of makes me scratch my head. He's going, yeah, it hasn't been working with the previous guys. We're just going to throw in these new guys in a new system or a different system of, of play and uh, throw it to the wall. Hope it sticks. See if we can get a result here. It just seems kind of, so desperate and just like out of desperation. Right. And um, I mean, four guys had never played a world cup qualifier. Right. Um, I'm glad he started Pepe. He was the one inclusion that I was excited about totally. starting, starting Bello um, McKenzie. I was okay with Sands is awful. Sands is the next Jackson Newell that I am not a fan of. Uh, yeah. I, don't think, I mean, for, I don't for think... Sands, you know, put a guy in on the road to play in those kind of just hostile environment tough conditions like that is asking a lot of a young young player well the issue that i have too with this decision to go three four three is you put kellen acosta in the middle with james sands fellow as a left wing back adams as the right wing back if you play a three four three then the two central mids need to be the most mobile guys on the field sands is not that at all no, Adams. Adams, Adams is Adams. Adams, Adams yeah. and Acosta could have done it, but to put Sands in there, he cannot cover ground. No, he cannot. He needs to have he, Sands. If he's going to play in the middle, he needs two other guys centrally to help him. Yes, uh, he cannot do the job with just one other guy. He just can't. So that's that's my yeah. That's my main gripe with uh, with Greg throughout this whole window. Really, is that decision right there. Um, you know the other, <laughs> the other uh, games and stuff we can talk about as we get there. But um, that right here for sure is the one that I'm just going. What is he doing, right? Yeah. Uh, and to move Tyler Adams out to to right side of wing back, um, 
and out of the midfield is, is kind of like, uh, okay. Is, is he going, well, we got injuries. We got Gio Reyna's injured now. We got, you know, Weston McKinney can't play. Um, we sent him home, which we can get into later. Um, you know, we got tired legs and stuff. So we're going with guys who haven't played yet. Right. McKenzie and, and Sands and Bello and Pepe. So you get fresh legs, which, okay, I get that. Right. Third game in the window. Um, but it, it did just seem a little too crazy. <laughs> to, yeah. And, and, and like, out of nowhere. We judge coaches based on their decisions. This is where, like, we judge coaches, right? They're starting 11 and then the, the – uh, and then just see tactics in terms of how your style you're going to play and then the changes you make. So with that being said, as much as we are maybe um, just really crashing on what Burhalter did in the, the starting lineup in the first 45 minutes, um, I mean, even you saw them when there was a moment on the sidelines, um, they were getting some water. Tyler Adams and Burhalter going at it for a little bit. So guys were clearly getting frustrated. You saw that with John Brooks in the Canada game. Guys were getting frustrated with with yeah. what Burhalter's telling them or, or, or something that's going on there. Well, yeah, that's part of part of the heat of battle though too. Like, sure. You know, um, frustration creeps in and tempers get raised sure. and stuff. I don't I don't know if that's if we sure. can really read too much into that. I mean if we see them actually getting in there each other's faces with the coach, <laughs> then that tells a different story. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, but I mean, so, but we, but the other point, the other half of it though, right. Is we, we then judge them on their, the changes they make. Right. So Verhalter right. realized, okay, my job's on the line. The yeah. World Cup qualifying is on the line yeah. here. We got to make some changes. And so finally he, he decided that we're going to make changes. And we're not going to wait. We're going right at halftime. Yeah. And he made he made changes right at halftime. Anthony Robinson comes in and immediately scores. Right? Yeah, he came in for George Bello. Right? Is there Pretty a question sure. now as to who our starting left back is? I mean, no. Anthony Robinson, a great game against Canada. I thought really yeah. a solid overall. And then yeah. uh, in the game against Honduras, comes in, puts in an absolute shift, and yeah. is phenomenal. Scores a goal, which ends up being the game winner. Or no, it was that tied, was a tying goal. Tied the game. Sorry, yep. that was a tying goal. Um, and you know, and then we could touch on, touch on this when we talk about the El Salvador game, but desk started at left back there. And I think that ship has hopefully sailed now because yep. of desk poor performance there as a left, as a left back again, uh, and Anthony Robinson boosting his stock as a left back. Right. So yep. hopefully, hopefully that, uh, we learned that <laughs> and, and move forward now with that. Uh, who else came in in the Honduras game? DeAndre Yedlin came in. Uh, yeah, he, and he came in, a, and he came in a little bit later, right, along with Roldan. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But you had Legette come on at the half, uh, mm-hmm. and, and then you Brandon also Aronson. had Brendan Aronson. Aronson come on. Yeah. Sergeant, yeah. unfortunately, man, I think we all keep wanting to see Sergeant make that breakthrough yeah. for this national team, and now he didn't have the greatest window here. Um, no, in that first half, he was really off the pace. Some just not great first touches. Wasn't attacking the space. Now, Greg did have him not in the nine rule, right? He had Pepe in the nine rule, Sargent kind of in that right winger rule. But so he pulls Sargent, puts in Aronson, and Aronson was a difference maker. And obviously, as we'll get to it, he scores a goal. But Aronson yeah. just looked way, way, way better than whatever Sargent was doing out there. Hey, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, just going back to the timeline of that Honduras game. Yeah. 1-1 until the 75th minute. And the guy, the 18-year-old Ricardo Pepe, Heads home Unbelievable! What, what ends up being the game winner? Uh, yeah, nice, nice ball served in uh, from DeAndre Yedlin, and uh, 
I mean, all, all the feels right there. I mean, oh. we were stoked that he got called up. We were stoked that he was starting. And I think you had called it. You said you heard it here first, folks. Hey, man. <laughs> Ricardo, calling a Ricardo Pepe goal. I was just waiting. So. I'm just thinking, like, he doesn't play in either of the first two games. I'm just, like, thinking, okay, Greg, yeah, maybe you've been holding him out for this chance. And obviously yeah. he – it seemed like that was what the case was. He, he was waiting to play him and start him here in this third game. And I don't know if that was because of necessity or because he thought that both Sergeant and Peacock really weren't getting it done. But yeah. obviously, Pepe comes in, you know, had, a, I think, a decent first half. Um, had some good hold-up play. You know, missed an opportunity there kind of on the half volley, uh, you yeah. know, midway through that first half. So not a whole lot, but in that second half was absolutely dynamic. And then the way he got up on that header. Well, let's go back to the first goal. Great hold-up play on that first goal. Holds it right. up. Gets it to Pulisic, who drives forward, dishes it wide to Leggett, who then plays it in for Robinson, right? But um, what a finish by Robinson that was, by the way. With his weak um, foot, with his right with, foot. With his weak foot, yeah. So Pepe actually plays a part in all four goals. So he does that in the first one. And then on that on the goal, he scores. Wow. Just rises above. And to snap the neck like that yeah. and get that header into the into the corner, I mean, that was world-class. And yep. uh, give the U.S. the lead. Um, man, I, I mean, I remember, you know, we've got both my kids here sleeping. My wife was actually asleep on the couch as I'm watching this game in my living room and I'm just yelling and just startled <laughs> my wife. I'm just hoping I don't wake my kids up, but man, what a, what a moment for the 18 year old. That was incredible. absolutely. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. Uh, we get our insurance goal goal in the 86 minute. Brandon Aronson slams one home. Yeah, and, hey, you got to give credit to Christian Roldan where it's due. I mean, Roldan, who comes on for Pulisic, who unfortunately got injured. Uh, now we know it's a 10-day high ankle sprain. Um, you know, I, I was glad to see him try to tough it out, but clearly he was in a, a ton of pain. So Roldan gets subbed on, which I think a lot of people were questioning, well, you know, why not um, La Fuente? Um, but, uh, hey, Berhalter went with Roldan, and Roldan actually provided a lot of energy, was able to win some good headers. And yeah. on that goal, wins that initial tackle, right? Pokes it over to Pepe, who gets in behind. Um, yep. So, I mean, I, I I bagged on Roldan a little bit before um, this this qualifying window. Yeah, that's and he he's a Seattle Sounder, though. Yeah, the, uh, I mean, Portland I can't, Timbers. I can't, I, I can't think too highly of him, right? But um, he, you know, he came in and did did a job, and especially in this Honduras game, I think this is where he clearly shined uh, the brightest, and um, getting that ball to Pepe. Uh, where Pepe could then slot that over to Aronson. And, again, just a, a class finish from Aronson. Uh, kind yep. of a little bit of a bouncing ball. Not yep. an easy one. You got the defender and goalkeeper coming in on you and just to, yep. to slot that home. Yeah. Uh, watching it in slow motion, though, the goalkeeper is already on his knees as uh, as, as, as Aronson's striking the ball, so he made it easier for him. But, uh, right. yeah, right. another goal for Aronson. I thought Aronson uh, – was one of the best players of, of the window for sure. And then we get the last goal, the, you know, just to seal it off and the stop his time. Sebastian Legette buries another, and we can all leave that uh, game saying, Hey, four, one. All right. We feel better about ourselves. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though in that first 45, we were pulling our hair out and some folks calling for, um, for Halter's head, you know? So, yeah. I mean, if you go on, you know, us men's national team, Twitter, just uh, not the main account, obviously, but just anyone else who's following the, the national team. I mean, yeah. I'd say it's about 90% of people calling for his head yeah. uh, at halftime. Now, 
And what and that, that fourth goal was a nice goal too. I mean, Honduras at this point was just absolutely gassed. I mean, their guys yeah. were just yeah all over the field, just couldn't keep up. Yeah. Adams drives forward, clips it over to Pepe. Pepe, you know, I'm thinking he's going to get his second. Would have been nice, right. but a good good forces a good save. Yeah, uh, and gets you know ultimately his second assist of the night. You know, because yeah. of the save right to Legette, who buries it home. Legette, right. man, I mean, Legette again, another. I, you know, I didn't think that he was that great in either the El Salvador or the uh, Canada game. Um, wasn't terrible, but in this game, he came on and really did make a difference. Um, yeah. And yeah. obviously had the had the assist and then had the goal. I mean, Sebastian Legette as someone who Berhalter depends on and clearly came through in the clutch that, uh, at this point for, for the U.S. men's national team. Yep, absolutely. Um that's pretty much it for the Honduras game. I mean, do we want to move to um, one, one of the other, other games next? One, yeah, one other point from that one. Um, uh, when it was, I believe it was one to one. Still, um, it was either one one or it was two to one. But I, I believe it was one to one. There was a header from Honduras off of a kind of a second ball in that Matt Turner makes just a phenomenal save on. Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, at that moment, it was huge. Um, Matt Turner, great window again. I think. You know, Zach Steffen going into this, there was questions whether it would be him or Matt Turner starting. Uh, Steffen gets back spasms at first, then tests positive for COVID, so he's completely out of the window. Um, but Turner, man, he, he had a great window. Um, despite, you know, having a couple of goals scored on him, um, I, I think in, in both your mind and my mind, he's our our number one goalkeeper now and, until someone takes that away from him, which yeah. I don't see that coming anytime soon. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Well, do you want to talk about El Salvador? Do you want to go all the way back to the El Salvador game? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go Canada first because that was the game I was at, right? So we're, Canada, we're, yeah. What it was? It was pretty neat being there in person, um, getting to experience Nashville, and just seeing the entire city is taken over by U.S. men's national team fans. Great, um, Love that. which was phenomenal. Everyone's walking over the walking bridge, getting excited. Huge tailgates going out outside of the stadium. Um, so just a really fun atmosphere. Um, you know, unfortunately, the, you know, so the U.S. is you know, back at home. I think that they're thinking, okay, let's play a possession-style game. Let's make this happen, and we'll create chances and we'll get goals. And we really saw, well, we saw a lot of possession, but that possession was in that uh, that horseshoe, right? That was back yep. the back four, left yep. to right, right to yep. left. There's center backs and right and left backs. Yep. And there were there was not, you know, I was sitting behind one of the goals. Um, and it really uh, brought to the forefront of just how little movement we had in that game. Um, so we had PFOC up top with uh, Aronson and Pulisic. I, think, I believe those were our front three. Yep. Those and a lot of the three. game, yeah, a lot of the game turned into kind of hero ball for Pulisic because he was, I mean, he was trying to do things and actually I think had a decent game. But in that first half, especially um, PFOC and Aronson not checking back to the ball, zero movement laterally. It was it was pretty hard to watch, and the second half wasn't a whole lot better. So yep, yep. Uh, no, I agree. I agree. Um, that was a tough one to watch. And uh, let's see. Uh, lineup. We already went over the the front three. So Zaretsin, yep. Peacock, and Pulisic. Central three were Adams at the six, and Acosta and Lejet as twin eights, uh, more or less. And then the back four is Dest on the right back, Anthony Robinson left back. John Brooks, left center back. Miles Robinson, right center back. Turner and goal. So, 
Canada was clearly happy to just sit back and defend and look for countering opportunities with through Alfonso Davies and um, Larine and uh, and they said, yeah, USA, fine. You're at home. We know you're probably going to keep the ball more. Fine, go for it. And just circulate it from left to right along your back line and we'll stay nice and compact, organized and look for our counterattacking opportunities. And their game plan worked to a T, right? Perfection, uh, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, and quite frankly, Canada could have very easily won that game. They had a couple of chances late where I know Brooks got dusted and one other player as well along kind of our left defending side. Um, and late in that game where a couple of shots just trickled wide. So it was a little bit nervy for the U.S. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, you know, here we get a goal. Um, Aronson gets a goal. 55th minute. Um, I was stoked on it. Obviously, you know, it's a nice, it's a nice goal when you, you just have a simple tap in, right. You get to the end line, cut it across and, and tap in, make it look easy. Right. Right. Um, and then Canada says, yeah, I see that. We'll do the same type of goal to you. Mm-hmm. Um, shortly yeah. after that, right. Yep. In the 62nd minute. So kind of both goals, very similar. Um, and you know, after that, after we scored, I, I thought we were, okay, here we go. One zero. Let's get a second. This. Yeah. Yep. We've been doing this. We've been doing, you know, one zero results in the Gold Cup. Okay, here we go. Keep the shutout. Look for our second. Um, and I was completely wrong. Um, and really frustrated with that. Um, you know, when let's talk about the goal we conceded because this has made me absolutely livid. Uh, you know, Alfonso Davies, world class player, one of the best left sided left-footed wing backs or left backs and he's actually playing left winger for Canada you know plays left back for Bayern but they put him as a you know as a left winger there in their 3-4-3 and you know he's fast you know he's elite level fast world class world class oh yeah and for he's the best he's the best player in CONCACAF right now in my mind sure yeah basically yeah um at least one of the most dangerous ones for sure but for Yedlin to kind of uh, on that play, he, yeah, he gets burnt, he gets dusted, right? But he kind of, he, he like cheats a little bit yep, versus right. like actually cutting out the angle a little bit better and thinking, because Yedlin, he's fast himself, right? And so he, he's not used to having to like perfect his angles when he's closing down opponents because he can just get away with, even if his angle, you know, it, the way he approaches the opponent there or the line with the ball, um, he can still get away with it because of his athleticism. But now he gets just that little bit wrong against Davies and Davies says, thank you. Bye-bye. Gets in behind him and whips in or serves in a cutback cross low on the ground. And what I am absolutely livid is John Brooks is completely unaware of who is it? It's Laren, isn't it? Who scores? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Kyle Laren. I mean, the guy's naked in the box, unmarked. Brooks is there, but doesn't even like know that he's there. I mean, and for, for our supposed best center back and locked in starter, uh, he's I, yeah. not proving it for me at all. Oh, absolutely. I, I think he had a, of all of our players, had one of the worst windows. <clears throat> You yep. saw in the Canada game. I mean, yeah, what is he doing? <clears throat> Center back's job is to go and to mark players, defend at all costs. 
and he was like jogging back, not marking up. Guy wide open. I'm like, what? What are you doing, man? That 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 has to be better. And then the same thing. We didn't really talk about the goal we gave up in the Honduras match, but John Brooks again, maybe partially system, not necessarily knowing what Berhalter's wanting of him or not, but he steps up, following the striker, or maybe as an attacking midfielder at the time. Steps way up into the space to make a tackle. Yeah, he gets sucked Do- out of the back line. Doesn't make then, the tackle and then doesn't recover. Yeah, he's jogging <clears> back. <throat> instead yeah. of if you get sucked out of your spot and you're if you're the center back of a back three, the one yeah. in the middle, yeah. and you get sucked up, you better get on your ass back yeah. into the back line. And he doesn't. He casually jogs back, and then we concede the goal there. Yeah, um, and and the Honduras one. I mean, Bello. I think. Yeah, Bello's massively at fault as well. Much, very much to blame on that one. They're like yeah. Bello. Hey, maybe move to the middle where there's a, a gap in your defense. Right. The guy looks pretty wide open. Probably should go mark him. Yeah, of course. And here's what I'll <clears> say to that too, though. Uh, yes, that's a mistake. But Bello is 18. John Brooks has played in a World Cup for us. John Brooks mm-hmm. has scored for in a World Cup for us. And for him to casually jog back into a spot, that, you know, unacceptable yeah. for me. Yeah, we, He's we, overrated. We, yeah, we can't have casual. I mean, I don't understand it because John Brooks been phenomenal for Wolfsburg so far this year. He's been great for the last couple of years for Wolfsburg in European play. He's playing Champions League this week. Yeah. So what do we have to get to have him be a better player for the U.S. men's national team? Because it has not been good enough. It hasn't that's been good him. from him. That's on the player. Yeah. That's on the right. player. It, it's unacceptable. Way, way, way too casual in his passing yeah. um, and his tackling uh, and his defending has been subpar. And we can't yeah. have that. If he's supposed to be number one, I mean, clearly, Miles Robinson was the best center back of this window. I mean, he played all every single minute. Yeah. Him and Tyler Adams both, right? But yeah. Miles Robinson locked in starter now, in my mind. I, mean, I don't think there's sure. any question in anyone's mind. Sure. Um. And John Brooks was like, well, do we need to put someone else there? Uh, Mark McKenzie got the job done in the second half against Honduras. John Brooks, where were you? You were on the bench because Berhalter yeah. didn't trust you at that point in the second half. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. No, I mean, I, uh, hopefully that gives him a shakeup. Hopefully that gives him a wake-up call because maybe he's gotten too complacent and sees, you know, it's just Tim Ream behind me. And, um, you know, Tim Ream's never going to beat me out. So, I'm good. And that sometimes whether players acknowledge that or not, that gets into their head. Reem, um, who actually had a better game than John Brooks really did in either of his two games. Reem, who looked, agreed. He looked, was, you know, formidable he, in that El Salvador game. Yeah. He did a solid job. Um, even though I first see him on the lineup going, okay, here we go. It's him Reem again. But Hey, yeah. the guy actually enjoys defending though. And John Brooks looked like he's allergic to defending at times. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, He's like a you know quarterbacking ball playing center back. Well, first and foremost, your primary job is to defend, mark up players in your own mm-hmm. box, in your own six yard box on yep. a cutback cross um, from Canada. I mean, so all right, off my off my rant with Brooks, but no, I mean that, I, that, that spot, is, that spot, that spot yeah. is uh, for me. He should not be a locked in starter anymore. I, I agree. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that he's become complacent being always deemed as this number one center back. And, I, and I've been saying it. You've been saying it. Many of U.S. men's national team, you know, pundits have been saying he's our, well, he's our number one center back. Who's going to you know be next to him after this window? I think we all see that, man, that he has some weaknesses that he's got to figure out and figure out fast because we can't afford to have any more mess ups like that. Yeah. 
Well, bring me back some some center backs like Boca Negra or, you know, even Jeff Cameron or uh, Jay Demerit when Boca Negra yeah. and Jay Demerit. I mean, those guys, yeah, could they play 70 yards, <clears throat> switch a play balls that John Brooks can play? No, but did they defend tooth and nail with every ounce of their ability? Of course. And that's kind of the American toughness and grit that we're, you know, Brooks seems to be missing a little bit. Yeah. seems like kind of a... I don't know. All right. I'm done with that. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the interesting thing about this too, is like, we look at this window and I think, uh, you know, we, we placed a lot of the blame on maybe why we weren't more effective on Burhalter, but the players also need to step up and do a better job. I mean, there well, were so many, was... there were so many subpar performances from guys. That's what and... I was going to, to bring up, you know, kind of later on, but since, since you brought it up now, yeah. You know, because I was asking you, so what does Greg need to improve? Is it all Greg's fault? Uh, you know, and uh, people are so quick to blame the coach versus holding the players accountable. And the players need to be held accountable first and foremost. Um, yes, there's systems issues, right? System of play and stuff like that. Like, that's what I had the biggest issue with with Greg was going in that three four three in that last game. Everything else, I was kind of like, okay, you know, he's, I don't know. I couldn't really pinpoint that it's like exactly only Greg's fault. At the end of the day, these are world-class players and they need to step up. Right. For Pulisic and Sargent and, you know, Brooks, of course, like we're talking about for and Dest, McKenney, Reina, for these yeah. guys to drop subpar performances. That's not Greg's fault. Yeah. I, I mean, Dest putting Dest on the left in that El Salvador game. Dest had a, a shocker. Um, you put him on the right in that Canada game. Did he have one mistake? Yes. And he got beat by a world class player in Alfonso Davies. Fortunately, it didn't result in a goal. Yeah. But besides that, actually, Dest, I thought, was one of our brightest spots in that first half. Um, and I think clearly showing why, okay, Berhalter, do not put me back on the left. I'm a right back. Put me at the right back position. Um, but I, I, I agree with you. I think like the players were, were having some part performances. Um, yet at the same time, like, man, it is the coach's job to get the best out of your players. And when you're putting them in maybe bad spots, you're not giving them the right instructions, and everyone's having issues out there, yeah, I mean, if it, that, I, I, for sure, then that, one... that that falls on the coach as well. Right, I'm not saying it. I'm not saying nothing's Greg's fault. Uh, sure, but I think there's there's a there's a big uh, group of folks that <clears throat> give the players a complete pass and uh, and call for Greg's head. Right, so <laughs> no, I, no I, I I agree. I, I, it's it's definitely a combination. I mean, we we had yeah. guys who were not playing up to what they needed to play, and yeah. um, but I, again, I, I think hopefully. I think if we look at this window, um, Greg, I've been and I've been saying this for so long now. I'm like, man, you look you look back to 2019 when people were calling for Greg Berhalter's head. Um, you know, the U.S. turned it around and won the next game to pretty much save his job at that point um, against Canada. And then he had all of 2020 and the pandemic to kind of work through a bunch of friendlies to figure things out in games that really didn't mean anything. We had a lot yeah. of really soft opponents. Yeah. So we, we looked good. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> now we get to games that matter. 
we win these games this summer. Great. But now these games really matter. And one of my biggest qualms that I have with Greg Berhalter, you look at that Canada game. He did not make, besides bringing DeAndre Edelman in for Serginio Des when he got injured in that first half, Greg Berhalter waited until the 83rd minute to make any subs. It's as if he thought that the game was going well. And right. I'm thinking, I, I mean, I was watching the game. I'm thinking Canada's making multiple subs in like the 55th, 60th minute, you know, 65th minute. I'm thinking, okay, all right, Greg, it's time. Let's make some subs. We need to respond. Canada has just scored. Let's make some changes. Yep. Nothing. I'm not, you know, guys are warming up over there. I'm, 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 let's get some new blood in there. Yep. It was just, it was terrible. Yep. And they, after Canada scored that goal, I mean, because so after we scored, it was just a phenomenal atmosphere. We were rocking. The place is rocking. And Canada scores, and it, it was deflating. Um, oh, yeah. The whole crowd was deflated. Yeah, and we're like looking for something to get excited about, and yeah. the U.S. keeps playing this possession around yeah. the horseshoe, around the back. And I'm thinking, Greg, let's get let's get some make something happen. And he yeah. waits until the 83rd minute, and I could yeah. not believe that it was, it was, just ter- In my mind, yeah. that was bad. So he me. got he got Conrad De La Fuente on, Josh Sargent on, and Christian Roldan on in that window. I think it was right in the 83rd. Yes. Because yes. DeAndre Yedlin was the only other sub, and he came on when Desk got yep. injured. Yep. So, so he, he didn't even use five subs. Right. Well, here's the thing, though. I mean, uh, looking at the rest of the subs, I mean, Pepe, in terms of attacking, what we needed from the attack, Pepe's the only other one, I mean, that maybe could have gotten a chance, and maybe rightly so deserved to. Um but the other subs that didn't come on were George Bello, Ethan Horvath, James Sands, Mark McKenzie, Tim Ream, Sean Johnson, Walker Zimmerman. None of those guys were going to make an attacking difference. Okay, which right? then takes takes me back to the point of, okay, Tim Weah gets injured at the start of this at the start of this uh, camp before camp Window, starts. Yeah, before, don't, before the, yeah. We don't and call we, in a replacement for him. Yeah. Gio yeah. Reyna gets injured. He's out. Yeah. Weston McKinney yeah. makes bad mistakes off the field. He's out. Yeah. We the, the replacement we call in for the third game, Jackson Yule. <laughs> uh, again, so that that's for the third game. But okay, but yes. So and Greg said in his post game comments, what, what he something along the lines of, I looked at my bench and I had to figure out who we were going to bring in, and I didn't think that it, something like that. Basically, he didn't trust the guys that he had in his bench to go in. I'm thinking, Greg, if you didn't trust your guys to go into the game at a certain point, th- those are the guys you selected to be here. So what what are we doing if you're not bringing in guys who again I well, understand so, there were so injuries you think, and things. So yeah, okay. Well so you think Conrad Delafonte <clears throat> deserved to go in sooner for Aronson? Yes. Okay. Maybe not for Aronson. I, I would have I would have taken Peacock off earlier. You got who else was in the middle? You had Okay, so uh, would you have put because Sergeant came in for Peacock, so would you have put Sergeant in for Peacock earlier. I would have. I would have done that. Oh, Sergeant should have come on for Peacock at the half. Yeah, Peacock was terrible. Yeah, he was not doing enough at all. But you know, is Delafuente better than Aronson or Pulisic on the wings? I don't think so. No. Right. So I think that that Greg was waiting and waiting and waiting and seeing. Okay, okay. I want to continue to get as much as I can out of Aronson and Pulisic. Okay, finally, eighty third minute. All right, Aronson needs to come off. Let's give a fresh Conrad Delafuente in there. Right, because I think clearly depth chart, Aronson and Pulisic were the best two remaining wingers there for us. So sure. th- I think that's why he's waiting. Right, uh, the the C the Pfox sub right for Sergeant. 
um, or Sergeant in for him. I mean, that I agree should have happened at half, right? So, but to to give PFOG that long of a chance and didn't get anything out of it, um, I think we learned a lot about what PFOG can and can't do, right? Yeah. So, um, and then Lejet came off. Lejet came off for Roldan, mm-hmm. which is like you know, in my book, like a literal like for like sub, the same yep. type of player. So, right. Fair and enough. I, I understand. I, I understand what you're saying there, but if Burhalter felt like whatever was happening in the field was working, it it wasn't. I mean, we no, again, like I, I, I said, we, he, we were we were very much could have lost that game. Yeah, and there was there was z- he, zero sense of urgency out there, and that was the biggest issue for me. There's no sense of urgency. We weren't peppering their goal yeah. at home. You have to go at teams and pepper their goal. And we yeah. were not creating chances. Yeah, but it, <laughs> and I I don't disagree with that, but at the same time. You know, Conrad De La Fuente coming on for Aronson, I wouldn't have made that change until the same time he did, if at all. Because I'm going, I'm going to keep Aronson and Pulisic in there. Those are my two best guys. Yeah, they're not, things aren't going as well right now, but they're better than Conrad De La Fuente. They're better than the wingers that I have on the bench. So I'm going to leave my best guys in and, and ride it out and see what we can get. Right. Fair, okay, yeah. fair enough. Fair enough on that point. But I guess to the point of not making any subs until the 83rd minute. Again, you have to have pulled Peapock earlier. You have to have pulled maybe, yeah. maybe at least one more sub earlier because the, the entire second half, even after that, after yeah, Canada scored again, Canada scores in like the 65th minute or so. You wait about 18 more minutes until you make a sub. Throughout that time, Canada is making subs and coming at us, and we are making zero changes. So, would you made a backline change then with all the? backline you know uh players that we had no i think you make the changes you bring sergeant and rolled on in earlier you make changes into the into the middle okay so you have to have okay. something different different guys that get a different mix up fresh yeah I, up. I, I i agree with that i i, I guess I, I think waiting until the 83rd minute is basically criminal to to not make any more any more subs at that point yeah well rolled on could have come in for legit sooner at you know 60 something you know, PFOC should have been off at half for Sergeant. And then I'm fine with Del Fuente coming on for Aronson at the 83rd. I think that's fine. Yeah. But the I other two, yeah, those are questionable. And then DeAndre Yedlin coming in for, for Dest, obviously. What minute did Dest get injured? It was like in the it second like the 40, half, 40, it? it? was like the 42nd or 43rd minute, right in the end okay, of the first right, half. Right in the end of the first half, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, okay. Yep. So that Canada game, yeah, that was frustrating. That was frustrating, especially dropping points at home, you know. Um, not something that we expected at all. Frustrating. No, it's but not, to, not something you to, can do. I mean, to any to, to drop points at home to anyone is bad. Uh, if it's Mexico, you're thinking, okay, it's Mexico. But you don't want to drop it home. I mean, to, to drop points at home to Canada in a game, man, that we – yeah, it, it, felt, it felt more like a loss, honestly. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, and that's kind of uh, Canada's figured out the recipe for success against the U.S. Sit back and defend. Same with same with El Salvador, right? For the most part, defend and look to, look for counterattacking opportunities. Yeah, we know the U.S. is star-studded cast, and they're going to possess it and move the ball. But uh, we're patient and organizing our compact defending, and we'll squeak out results this way. So that's kind of the recipe that I, that I would assume pretty much every CONCACAF team is going to try to play us with except Mexico. Right. So, right. yeah, I think, I think you're right. We might, I mean, we, we'll probably be seeing similar type of tactics from opponents. <clears throat> I would expect um, when we, when we play teams at home, 
Yeah, certainly yeah. at home and uh, yeah. even some of them away, right? Yeah. I mean, so, but anything else on that Canada game? Well, we yeah, I mean, I think one? that the big one we haven't touched on is Weston McKinney. So the news before the game, you know, Taylor Twelman, I, or Stu Holden tweets out before the game that Weston McKinney not coming off the team bus with the team into the stadium. And everyone's like, what's going on? Right. And we come to find out that Weston McKinney has breached team and COVID protocols we come to find out later that, you know, he brought an unauthorized person back to his hotel room or bringing him within the U.S. men's national team bubble. Yeah. So, man, what, what a disappointment for Weston McKinney. And this is his second strike, right? He had broke COVID protocols over with Juve this past spring yeah. uh, in Italy. And then he's here for one week and one week. And then he can't seem to figure out how to focus on just the U.S. men's national team. He's bringing in whoever into you know his hotel room the night before a game and what a disappointment man i mean we dropped points against canada and then i mean gosh almost almost losing to honduras i mean he he is letting down he's gonna have a long way i mean again is he is he in my mind a starter yeah he's got to earn the trust back man that was what a terrible terrible mistake to make i did not see that coming like at all like not even anywhere on my radar that Weston McKinney would do something like this, which maybe is naive, <laughs> but I mean, you look at the guy and you say, yeah, this guy is committed. This guy is disciplined. This guy is a leader. This guy is, uh, you know, but maybe I thought too highly of him and yeah. I mean, the, the amount of disappointment in his decision-making is as high as it gets. I mean, you're here for a week. It's three games. It's for your country. And you don't think that's important enough to follow the guidelines, whether you agree with the guidelines or not. COVID protocol stuff, staying in the bubble, yada, 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 right? But how selfish of him. How absolutely selfish and disgusting behavior, really, uh, to let your team down and your country down. I, I really can't believe it. I can't. I'm struggling to still wrap my head around it. And, uh, you know, we could have used them, definitely, uh, oh, yeah. in the Canada Big game time. and the Honduras game. But in Big the El time. Salvador game, did he do much? He was okay, but he wasn't lights out or anything. Missed a you know. potential game-winning goal header. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's always going to bring a little bit of that. I mean, he's, he's good. We we talk about him all the time, but now it's it's a situation where like and then the thing sir the thing that uh, really pisses me off the most about the situation is apparently he was going on and on to teammates about doing the right things and right. how important yep. it is that we you know stay on track here and stay disciplined and you know committed and stuff and then he's the one who goes off and completely you know he's just yeah. whatever's coming out of his mouth is just a lie. Right. So that's, yep. it's BS. It's, it's not happy with it at all, but I think as tough as it was for Burhalter to do, send him home, send a message, set a precedent. Like, Hey, you're either in with the team or you're out. We don't need selfish players here. Selfish behavior is not for the team. And those players who do that are not on board with us anymore. So um, as difficult of a decision as that was, I think it was the right decision. I I could not agree more. Yeah, I think I applaud Burhalter for for staying strong to what the what 
the the morals of this team are and the values that this team has, and that's sticking together at all costs. And Weston McKinney did not stick with the team. He decided to do his own thing. And so Burhalter had to say, hey, you're going home, and you're going to have to earn our trust back before we let you back on this team. Do I think he'll be back in the October window, assuming he's healthy? Yes. Uh, with that being said, man, what what a disappointing act that uh, Weston McKinney yeah, had there. And uh, just, man, um, hopefully we can move past this. But, gosh, yeah, it forced us to have West, or Kellen Acosta and James Sands in the middle for that Honduras game. We saw how poorly <laughs> that went. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oof. So, I mean, ha- had we lost that Honduras game, you know, gosh, what I, I, I can only – I mean, again, Weston McKinney – you, you got to think at this point, he probably feels terrible yeah. uh, and realizes he let his country and his team, his teammates, every, his family, everyone down. Yeah. Um, but man, uh, had we lost that Honduras game, I mean, he would have, that, that would have been a, a lot of that could have really been on him too. So. Yep. Definitely. Um, glad that we didn't, but uh, yeah, hopefully we'd never see anything like that again from anybody. Yeah. Hopefully the precedent set about, this type of behavior is not not condoned not going to be tolerated and and we move forward from there so yeah. do you want to finish with the uh, el salvador game yeah let's just touch, let's I like, touch on it with whatever you I want like, to touch on I, like, I think it's interesting how we've kind of just like naturally and randomly flowed from <laughs> back to front right. um so for the el salvador game down there in san salvador uh we went with the four three three turner in goal again uh, Des on the left back, like we've touched on. Tim Ream, left center back. Miles Robinson, right center back. Yedlin, right back. Three central guys were Adams, McKenney, and Aronson. Uh, Sargent as the nine. De La Fuente, left winger. Gio Reyna, right winger. Now, I was hoping that uh, Aronson and Reyna would have been switched. And we'd see Aronson uh, on the right wing and, and Gio in the eight spot alongside McKenney. Um we didn't really see that too much. Um, was yeah, that I think that was for you? That, yeah, oh, it was. I, I think that we're all seeing that starting lineup because they're not giving us the exact formation, right, when we see that information tweeted out. Uh-huh. And uh, we're thinking, okay, this is Geo in the middle. We see him, you know, lining up in that right wing. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, but, um, it, you know, you're thinking, okay, when you're seeing – Greg, when you're seeing Aronson, because this is the game where Aronson didn't look so bright, right? He actually had quite a – a bad game yeah really yeah and playing in that eight he was just kind of a little bit off the step wasn't mm-hmm. wasn't at the pace and you mm-hmm. have if you i mean if, if you're greg and you see these things happening aronson's out there why not shift geo into the middle and put aronson back where maybe he's a little bit more natural out there on the right and yeah. you know, obviously obviously we saw that in games two and three but um yeah that was that was a little bit a little bit disappointing um you know de la fuente had some bright moments but you know, I was glad that he got a start. I was excited mm-hmm. about it, you know, yeah. because he was, you know, riding his hot streak uh, mm-hmm. in France and, and playing for Marseille. I mean, you'd seen clips and watch games of him recently, and he's just absolutely right. lighting it up on the on the left wings there. So yeah. I said, great, here we go. And it was all smoke and no fire from him, right? Yeah. And just like hints and glimpses of, oh, wow, he's flashy. He can do some things. And then no output, right? No, yeah. No finished product from him. So... You know, and and that was a bit of he was he wasn't the only one, right? I mean, Dest was like that too in that game on the left left back spot. Um, 
you know, all flash and, or all smoke and no fire. Um, and, uh, for me, it was a little bit of like, I don't know, a little bit of like elite, like, uh, these guys playing the highest leagues in Spain and France and perfect fields and conditions. Uh, yeah. we don't want to play in a, you know, a cage in San Salvador. Right. This field isn't great. The crowd, you know, the stadium, it's not what we're used to. It's not as high level. I don't really feel like, you know, playing as to my full potential and stuff. I don't know. I, I it kind of feels that way to me a little bit, you know, pretty boys that just couldn't really handle the hostile environment. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I mean, I think there was an eye opener for both of those guys. They've played for the U S um, but you know, Conrad has only played, I believe, really only over, at least for the, for the senior team, only over in Europe, uh, the one game. Um, and then Serginho Dest has really only played games, yes, over in Europe, but then only back in the U.S. Yeah. on great fields, right? Yep. So to go great fields and pro-U.S. you know, atmospheres. Yeah. Um, so, not, a, not a literal cage around the field. Yeah, where you're right. having this, you know, 30,000 screaming fans, you know, going against you. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think it was an eye opener. With that being said, you know, I, I think I look at this window also and think, man, we had we had two road contests. Yeah. And again, we still came out with five points. So we didn't we didn't lose a game. Right. Um, still came out with five points. Got I mean, I think probably some really valuable experience for all of those all of these guys in this roster to definitely go valuable ex- experience. Yes. To experience two road games and come back with five points total and to have dropped points at home and still end up with five points. Yeah. I mean, you got to think that in some ways trying to spin this in a positive way, like, wow, that actually could really benefit us in the long run. For sure. For sure. And getting, At least those, I'm trying to talk that to my head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keep telling yourself that to make yourself feel better. Right. 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 So you don't cry yourself to sleep after some right, of those exactly. games. Right. But uh, yeah, definitely getting those, ex- those games under your belt and those hostile environments in Central America away from home uh, where the environments are completely different than, you know, the Barcelona's or Marseille's or wherever you might be, uh, you know, in those types of environments in Europe. So now they say, okay, next time we come down and we're playing in, you know, Panama or, you know, you got to go to Jamaica or Costa Rica or Mexico, obviously, when they play in the, in the Azteca, mm-hmm. right? Now it's, I mean, the Azteca will be, so, I mean, that'll be way more intense than San Salvador. With, right? Yeah, I mean, potentially a lot of, potentially a lot of line, you know, I think that's one of the last couple of games yeah. uh, in the cycle, right? Yep. So, um, I think just going back to this, you know, obviously it was a zero zero game against El Salvador, but could have been a different game. Uh, if Miles Robinson buries that header mm. fairly early on, right. Free kick. And I mean, I thought, wow. I thought I yeah. was like, as it was happening, I was kind of like, here we go. Just like gold cup. Like it was it's almost, gold, the, almost the exact, almost same identical. Thing. Yeah. It was like gold cup flashbacks. Right. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think if we bury that one, then obviously El Salvador has to come out more and try to chase it. And then right. we can, you know, look for those breaks to, to get our second and then look for the third as well. But, you know, ultimately they played their tough, gritty style of soccer and earned a hard, hard fought point against us. Um, so 
Matt Turner had to make a couple saves, I think, and they, they had a couple chances. But overall, El Salvador really didn't have too much to throw. Yeah, I mean, us. I think it was, it's we not were, like it's not like they were bossing the game against us. It was more of a situation of, gosh, we should be better. We should be better. I think yep. El Salvador played pretty much as well as they possibly could have. And we were nowhere close to as well as we could have. Yet we still got a zero-zero tie away from home. So I think that kind of tells you something, right? And in that El Salvador game, could you name me like one player that played well for us? That like played. I mean, I can't really. Not Miles Robinson, maybe. Even though he you missed know, that I, first one, but you know, Tim Ream again, I think was solid. <laughs> you know, put in, put in, put it. I mean, for as much grief as I've given Tim Ream over the Spoken last year, like a true center back, you're in the. I mean, you, look, you know, you, look you out got, for your guys. You got to say he didn't really make any mistakes. Yeah, and you know, obviously it helped helped get the shutout. Uh, I think yeah. Gio Reyna was was good in this game, not at his best. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm still waiting for the day when we can actually see all of our best players in the field at one time when we don't have yeah. injuries or suspensions or guys yeah. sent home. Still, have, you know, it would have been great to have had Gio Reyna opposite Christian Pulisic going yeah. at defenders. Yep. Um, Pulisic wasn't know, available for that right, game. Right, yeah. right, right. So, you know, you, you you hope and you hope that we see more of that moving forward. But um, you know, it wasn't a whole lot of great performances out there. Um, you know, for me, granted, I was watching this game, trying to stream it live from thirty thousand feet in the air. So my my oh, live yeah, stream on the, on the internet you... wasn't great either. <laughs> but from everything that I've read afterwards, as well, and from the clips that I've seen, um, it could have been a whole lot better. Um, for sure. That, with that being said, again, a draw on the road, right? That's the old the old CONCACAF qualifying formula is a win at home, draw on the road, you're going to qualify for the World Cup. Yeah. Now, with that being said, um, I think we realized that this was El Salvador and we should have gotten more out of that game. Yes, we should have. Um, so that's where I come back to this thinking, if we come close to missing the World Cup, like, oh, you know, you look back at games, right, when, when you don't win a championship or you're, you're not winning – you're not winning the game. You look back at these chances, these half chances, these off the post, these just wide. Yeah. Um, you're thinking, gosh, oh, we needed that. We needed that game. And I hope yep. that I hope we don't look back at this El Salvador game think, or the Canada game, quite frankly, thinking that. Yep. Agreed. Well, anything else on that El Salvador game? Nothing else for me. Yeah. Well, the last well, one of the last things that I just kind of wanted to mention is I always do this, you know, players that impress me or did well yeah, versus yeah. players I'm kind of disappointed with. Yeah. And so the players that I thought did well were obviously Brendan Aronson. He had a couple goals, some assists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anthony Robinson, for me, proved that he should be the starting left back. And, yep. uh, you know, clearly he's the guy. I, I mean, finally, finally he's put in some good performances yeah. in the U.S. Yeah. This is what we've all been wanting to see. Yeah. And finally, yeah. he's done it. Yep. Miles let's Robinson. Let's keep that going. Yep. Miles Robinson is a, is a locked in starter at the right center back for us. Um, you know, I thought Turner did fine. Yeah. He, he conceded a couple goals in the run of play finally. So he is human. Um, he is human. but those goals weren't his fault at all. Yeah. I don't um, think either of them he's stopping. And yeah. then I thought Tyler Adams did fine as well. I mean, he lot he played every minute of every game, all three games right. and played in different positions, you know, especially in that right wing back spot he played in the third game. So was he exceptional? No, but was he what we want Tyler Adams to bring? Yes. So I think those were the guys that, that did well for me. Um, 
And then the, the last one, sorry that I missed, was Pepe, Ricardo Pepe. And I think yeah, he's, so, he's, he's warranted more time moving forward now, especially be, yeah. You look at our number nine spot, I mean, I think at this point, you know, hopefully, again, we can just keep health in these guys because these guys are in the midst of their playoff pushes in the MLS yeah, or in their yeah. European seasons are starting up. You just hope that we can keep as many guys healthy as possible so we can have as many options. I mean, going into this October window, we've got, I believe our first game at home is Jamaica, uh, yep. October 7th. Um, yep. in is, Austin. He your, is he your starter in that game? Home state of Texas there? Start yep. Ricardo Pepe? Yep. I'd love I'd love to see that. I'd love to see that. Um, yeah. In my mind, he in my mind he's catapulted above anyone else at this point in the in the pool. He, he's he's going to yeah. be my in starter of, in the next in, game. In, in terms of like goal scoring, Sargent's not putting in goals. P Fox not yeah. putting in goals. Zardes is hurt. Um, Daryl DK is not putting in goals. Hoppy wasn't in this picture. I mean, right. so that nine spot's still up for grabs. It's kind of continually up for grabs so um, continually i mean yeah. that, that being said dk did score a really nice goal about a week or so ago um so i'd be interested to see you know if he is healthy i hope we see him called into this yeah. next camp i i do too i do too and hoppy i think yeah so um i'd much rather have more nine options than you know center backs and defenders and, and we don't need james sands in there put in more nines you know <laughs> anyways yeah. anyone else in, in players that did well for you or those kind of the main ones yeah Aronson obviously I mean you know two goals just was was great you know Pepe obviously just a, a transcendent performance there um, for the U.S. At, at 18 years old I mean so much to be excited about for, you know for him and the U.S. men's national team Miles Robinson's a stud let's keep it going I mean his ability you just watch some of his clips to read plays, having taking those angles. Like we talked about DeAndre Edelman taking a bad angle. Miles Robinson, every angle he takes is yeah. almost next to perfect. Yeah. And I hope he can continue that. It, incredibly fast. Ability to win the ball. So he, he is just so yeah. solid. I, I love yep. him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Anthony Robinson, left back, did, did, did very well. Yeah. Trying to think of our center mids. So all the ones yeah. we covered then, basically. Yeah, I mean, Pul- again, Pulisic – and Pulisic is, I think, for many of us, we believe, you know, he is our most dynamic attacking threat. At least yeah. I believe that. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to speak for you. But he sometimes gets caught up in, and maybe that's because, I think that's one of my gripes also, maybe with this system that Burhalter has, a system, or if it's just Pulisic not understanding what he needs to do. We need to put, we need to get, Pulisic in positions where he's going to be able to find the ball more and succeed more. Now, in the Honduras game, he started finding the ball quite a bit more. Um, in the Canada game, he, I mean, he he did fine. I just want to – I feel like we can get so much more out of him. Yeah. So, I think that this, the coaching staff needs to look at the tape and figure out, okay, how do we get our best players in positions to succeed? And that means Pulisic and Gio Reyna and other attackers, right? So – I think that they really need to hone that in and fine tune that because if we're going to qualify for the World Cup or even you know anything past that, we need our best players to be um, just flashing around and, and doing uh, so much better in my mind. Yep. Well, I think that's a whole other topic for for another day. Trying to find how to get the best out of Bulsic. Yeah. Right. Or you know, and including Reina in there and uh, Weston McKinney and and Sergio Des. How, yeah. what system, what style, all that kind of stuff. 
but that's that's a topic for another day. Um, right. The last thing I wanted to talk about quickly was, and we've kind of talked about it throughout this, but players I'm disappointed with or that I felt didn't perform well or up to their standard. John Brooks, as I ranted and ranted about. Um, James Sands, he's just not at the level we need. Yep. I'm uncomfortable with him in the yep, game. I'd agree with both of those. Yep. Serginho Dest, I thought, was below his level. Yeah. You're playing for a tiny club called Barcelona that no one's ever heard of yet. Yeah. Uh, you come over to El Salvador or against Canada, and you are not the same type of player. Yeah, he's been uh, so good for Barcelona so, this year. I, I, yeah. I That's why I don't – guys, so. these guys need to figure it out. They need to figure it out fast. Yeah. Because um, we, we need to qualify for World Cup, man. Yep. Um, you know, Pulisic, I thought he was average. That was okay. But, yeah. you know, obviously not getting enough him. I mean, the guy hasn't scored a goal in the run of play for – what since like 2019 or something? I think I saw that. It's stat. been a it's while. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. He buried that, you know, Nations League PK top bins, mm-hmm. um, and so luckily we can all remember that one and continue to relive that memory. But when's the last time he scored in the run of play? It's been forever. So, mm-hmm. um, Reina, I thought Reina was okay. You know, yeah. obviously got injured, so we can't. We don't have multiple games to uh, base off him. Or, or basis performances off of. Um, PFOC, not good enough. Not good enough for us. Um, yep. Disappointed with him. I, I was hopeful. You know, he's scoring goals in Switzerland, right? Um, but clearly, it's not translating um, to the U.S. Yeah. Um, when we're playing here. And then the player that I'm obviously most disappointed with is Weston McKinney, which we've already talked about. So... Any thoughts on those guys? Or yeah, I'm I, would, I, I would agree with those. I, I think you're missing Josh Sargent as well. Josh Sargent yep. had a real yep. stinker of a camp. Um, in that Honduras game, again, I'm like, man, Josh, yes, you're playing the right wing. You've played on the right wing for Norwich, and you played on the right wing for Werner yeah. Bremen. So why can't you do it for the U.S.? Yep. And is on? it the field? Is it the atmosphere? What's going on, man? Figure it out and figure it out fast. Um, yep. we, we, we are going to need him at some point during this World Cup well, qualifying cycle to what, step up. What he brings, I mean, him and Peafock are like the complete opposite of nines, right? Peafock is not very mobile. He's definitely a target forward. That's kind of, you know, someone who's he's not going to be high pressing and stuff. And Sargent's the opposite. His work rate is his best uh, attribute, right? Is he a phenomenal goal scorer? No, but he makes stuff happen just with how much he tirelessly runs at folks, right? So, but yeah, yeah, Sargent was was not what we needed, and so. The continual uh, debate on which nine is, is going to be our guy, right? And we might, we might not know. It might, I mean, at this rate, I'm, I'm starting to plan for it's going to be a continual unknown because I think that's a spot. Sort of thing. Yeah, and that's kind of the spot too, though, that you got to play whoever's scoring goals. You got to play the hot forward. Right. Um, I mean, which, is even, why, which is why, in my mind, Pepe's your starter for the next game until he – until he doesn't, until he stops scoring right. goals, man, he's in the lineup. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, good, man. Well, the, I mean, looking forward now to the next window. We got, you know, October, October seventh. It'll Jamaica. be here fast. Yep, in uh, in Austin, right? 
Um, going to be a hopefully, hopefully just a phenomenal atmosphere there. I mean, Austin has been uh, just yeah, sell, selling those be. games out. The game is already be. sold out. Yeah. Um, you know, going to be a raucous you, atmosphere. You're right. You're right. They got to start Pepe there. You'd be a fool not to. In, this, in Texas. Like, in, in his yeah. home state. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, Panama uh, down there on October 10th. And the game then, I'm thinking about trying to get tickets to. We'll see. I, I, I might uh, see if I can swing it or not. It'll, it'll are you going to fly game. or are you going to take a boat? Because uh, did you know yeah, they have we'll a canal? We'll, I know. We'll see. Yeah, I might just put take the sailboat out and see how long that takes me to get yeah. down there. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, and then three days later on October 13th, Costa Rica, uh, back in the States in Columbus, Ohio. So we did our we did our points prediction last time. Yeah. <laughs> what we wanted or expected. Yeah. And again, we had two road games this with one home game. Now we right. have two home games with one road game. And right. Panama has looked very good so far, yeah. right? They took yeah, Mexico been to solid. the brink. They were ahead of Mexico. Yeah. Um, tied one to one, and they and then you know so they're tied with those on points. J- um, Jamaica is at the bottom of the table, though they have not been performing at the level that uh, which you know, was I, a I bit thought, surprising. Yeah, I thought Jamaica was was you know, going to have a little bit more firepower, but they're struggling uh, to get things going. So, so I'm looking when, at the Jamaica yeah. game at home. That should be a three points for us. The Panama has game to, has to be, has, has to be. Three be points. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta beat Jamaica and Austin. No, I mean, anything less than the three points there is, is horrible. Yes. Um, Panama down there. If we can get out of there with a point with a draw, I think I'll be happy. Um, I would, I would, I would agree. I would take that. And then Costa Rica, back home in Columbus, uh, tie or a win, hope for a win. I mean, you're at home. Costa Rica's, I think they're down uh, in, in compared to previous years. I think they're definitely down. I think that, in so, my mind, so also has to be a win. I, th- I think that should be a win as well. So if we can get two wins and at least a draw in this next window, um, the draw in Panama, then I think we're in good shape. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, we're at five points right now through three games, right? So we've dropped four points so far. Um, again, that's with two road games. When you have two home games. You should you, get two wins. You've got to get two wins. And, yeah. and that's so minimum of minimum of six points during this window. Right. Um, anything less than that in my mind is a failure in this in this yeah. window here coming yeah. up. And yeah. I, you know, last last window, this first window, I'm thinking nine points. Let's do it. <laughs> and I think we got Brock back down to earth. Me, yeah. <laughs> you know, me along with many other people. Yeah. Um, if we got nine points, I would be over the moon. It just, it would be phenomenal. Right. But right. gosh, if we can come out of this with seven points, minimum of six points, um, I'll be, I will be okay with that. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Good. Yeah. It's going to be here fast, man. It's going to be here fast. And, uh, gosh, you know, I think at this point we've got guys who are injured, right? Unfortunately, it looks like Gio Reyna's injury could be, you know, keeping them out of this next window, unfortunately. So, you know, guys like hopefully Weah healthy again and available. Because um, yep. we, we need more depth of that winger position. We talked about it, right? You know, we had no one – we had only De La Fuente to come in. Well, in hopefully that, we know, can have – hopefully we can have Musa – back for this yes window. oh that w- thank you that, for reminding me about musa yeah. that's got me excited all of a sudden yeah now. yeah if we can have musa back because he's back from injury yeah um so so that's it that's a big pickup if if he can get called back in especially if uh, who knows what the situation will be with weston mckinney and how True. things have been resolved or not uh by that time so yeah but, musa uh, hoppy 
Maybe Reggie Cannon or Shaq Moore also potentially we might see in the mix. Yep, Daryl DK hopefully, mm-hmm. or at least talked about. Um, maybe Zardes. I don't know what his injury prognosis is, but if I mean, I would have taken Zardes in these three games. Absolutely, yeah. So, we, I think we were we were missing Zardes in the three in so, the three games. Yep. So we'll see. Hopefully, yeah. Fingers crossed for uh, you know some some good call ups. Um, the ones the ones that we want and avoid the Jackson Ewells and the James Sands. <laughs> yes, I, I, I'm on board with you there. Well, yeah. it'll be here before we know it. Uh, yeah, and uh, when we see the next roster and the games are coming up, we will uh, we'll be back in the pod. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And, uh, yeah, go USA.